0: The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. Uh, My name is Beth, and I'm the pastor of Student Ministries here at the church. I'm honored to be with you today and to be sharing about um, a track record, a memory, a story that I have with a song that is going to be on this upcoming CD, um, which is called Song of Hope, and it's one of the songs that we just sang a little bit ago. Um, The reason I love track record um, and I love this song is because it reminds me that hope is intricately tied to God's presence. That true hope is found in, God, in, in us being vulnerable enough to let God's presence come into our daily lives. And so this morning I wanted to share a little bit about my track record, my history, my memories, my story with um, the Song of Hope. And, and for me it started probably, well, less than a month ago. Uh, I was with a group of students. There were, there were 36 of us that all traveled to Denver. And uh, we traveled to Denver to do a servant leadership trip. It was this amazing, amazing trip. This is most of the people on our team. I think there's a couple people that were missing for whatever reason. But most of us are there. We look awesome. Uh... And the servant leadership part of this trip was one we went for 10 days and we volunteered at different organizations, different non-for-profit organizations. We we went to an orchard and uh which this orchard allows people in the community that live below the poverty line to come and pick fruit. Most of the times, if you can find a food bank, that's really great, but you can't get fresh produce. And so this orchard and this garden were created in order for people below the poverty line to be able to have access to that. Um, So that was really great. We did that one day. We fed homeless people in the inner city of Denver another day. This was after we packaged um, like a... 1000 meals for kids around the world. We volunteered at Compassion International. We wrote Christmas cards for hours for unsponsored children that were around the world. Um, And we did it with the understanding that this was going to be their big present of the year, a hand decorated Christmas card. And so we did that one day. Um, I don't know. There were just tons of different service projects that we did while we were in Denver. But the other piece of it was not only were we just doing outreach, just serving, we were learning how to be leaders. So every night, us and the other churches who were there would get together. We'd sit down and they'd talk about, this is how you live differently. This is what it means to be a Christian leader. The world says that you get leadership from position or power, but Christ shows us that leadership comes through service. And so we talked about how do we live differently? How do we put different people in our lives that can, that can encourage us, that we can encourage and mentor. I talked about all these different things, and, and by far, this was, I've been on a lot of different teams, a lot of different trips. This was the best team that I've ever served on, and there was something about the way that both the students and the leaders really approached the team and said, I'm going to give this all I got. I'm really going to serve. I'm going to seek out who God is, and I'm going to live that out right now. And the cool thing is that there are still these pockets of students that that even weeks after the trip is over are still meeting together. Hey, how can we live differently? Um, Hey, what is God doing in your life? How can we seek God out? And it's been this incredible thing for me. This trip to Denver um, was what some people would describe as a thin place it was this place where the distance between heaven and earth was only thinly separated. It was like God was here on earth. He was with us. We, we, were, we were serving like the ancient church, like Jesus calls us to in Acts 2. We were serving one another. We were giving everything for each other. And it was really an incredible experience for all of us. Um, The night that was the most impactful for me, though, was was on a Tuesday night. And we had decided to do a student-led service. And so we handed the reins over to the students, and we said, you guys, you come up with what it is that you want to do. And they decided, we want to share stories. And so voluntarily, students came up to the stage. They sat before the entire group of 36, and they shared, this is my story. This is what God has done in my life, and, and, and what came out was, was these stories of extreme brokenness. Just like deep-seated anger of, my dad left when I was young, and he made it very clear that he's not coming back and doesn't care about me. Uh, my parents struggle with addiction, and they have ever since I can remember. I struggle with addiction. These were the stories that were coming out. Uh, students were sharing about self-harm, that, that they had learned to kind of cope with, with all of the brokenness and pain and suffering that they felt. Um, there was another student who shared about how they don't feel like they belong at home, and they don't feel like they belong at school, and they don't even feel like they belong at church. So these stories, one after the other, after the other, of extreme brokenness. And, and it wasn't just a brokenness that, ah, oh, teenagers feel and they'll grow out of it. This is the same stories of brokenness that I've heard in our adult community, too. Just being shared in this real and raw way. But the cool thing was is that as these stories continued, many of them kind of like turned a corner, And it was like, despite the brokenness that they were sharing, they also had this glimmer of hope. Um, Like the one kid who said, but then I got a scholarship to go to camp, and I encountered God there. Like, God met me there. And, And there was another story where it kind of turned the page. A leader started to invest in me, and they treated me like Jesus did, and I met Jesus because of that. There was another one um, that talked about how just some random classmate called this kid up from nowhere and started talking about God to him. Um, There was another one where this girl winds up fainting in an amusement park and her friend kind of helps her through this incident. And through that, she finds her worth worth. She finds that God encounters her in that moment. And then there's the mom who the student says that I was rebelling and the mom stayed with me. And she just prayed for me. She kept saying, I love you and kept pointing me to God. All of these pictures of hope that these students were sharing were incredible. And and then we started singing Song of Hope. We started singing it and it wasn't like we were singing it and you just kind of, you know how sometimes you just mouth your words Because you don't really want to sing it out loud. But you want to be nice to the person who's playing because they're trying really hard. Uh, So you just kind of mouth the words. It wasn't like that. It was we as an entire group were singing from our gut. We were yelling out these words to the Song of Hope. And I started weeping. Weeping. Just uncontrollable tears just streaming down my face. Because in that moment I knew that us as an entire group, we had hope. And it wasn't a fake hope of the sun is going to come out tomorrow and maybe when we go home all this is going to be fixed and mom's going to be better and dad's going to be back and I'm going to belong. No, it was, it was this, this true song of hope that we see in Scripture and we see represented by this song. So I want to take a look at these lyrics because they're so powerful. The first says, All things bright and beautiful you are. All things wise and wonderful you are. In my darkest night you brighten up the skies. A song will rise. All things new I can start again. Creator God, calling me your friend. Sing praise my soul to the maker of the skies. A song will rise. And here's the song. Go to the chorus. I will sing a song of hope. Sing along. God of heaven, come down. Heaven, come down. Just to know that you are near is enough. God of heaven, come down. Heaven, come down. And the second chorus, it kind of changes one of the lines, the third line. Just to know you and be loved is enough. See, this I love because true hope is not that the sun's going to come out tomorrow. It's not that everything's going to be better. It's not that it's going to be fixed. It's true hope is God come down. God be here in this place. And to know that you are going to be near, that is enough. And that night in Denver, me and that whole team, we sang that with our whole hearts. That hope needs to come and God needs to come and here we are and that's enough. And it was incredibly powerful. See, true hope is intricately connected to the presence of God. The early believers even knew that, and in Scripture, it talks about um, over and over again that this persecuted church, this church that, that goes through tremendous trials and suffering, they talk about this hope that they have, but, but again, it's not a hope that it's all going to get better and that one day the emperor will stop persecuting us. Their hope is, God is coming. He is here. He is near, and he will reign in glory. Online connected to this message, um, there's a whole list of scripture that you can look up that talks over and over again about the the, the ancient church who, who had this profound hope connected to the presence of God. See, humans can deal with an incredible amount of pain and suffering as long as they have hope. But when hope goes away, they start to give up, too. True hope that sustains life is completely connected to God's presence. That is why it is so powerful. You can't have hope without God's presence. And we see over and over again throughout the Bible that God is in this business of bringing his presence to us. He's trying to be with us. See, we see in the beginning of Scripture, there's Adam and Eve, right? The first people that are walking in the garden. God creates this garden so that Adam and Eve can walk together. It says Adam and him walked in the cool of the day. He wanted to be with Adam. And then Adam and Eve sin, and God creates some other reminders of, okay, well, we can't be together now because you've messed up. You've been disobedient. We, We can't be together anymore, but I will create all of these reminders. I'll create these sacrifices. I'll make clothes for you. I want to still be with you. And then Abraham comes along, and God approaches Abraham in the form of some angels that come to him. And the angels say... Hey, um, I want you to know that you are going to have a son. And through that son, there's an entire nation that we will be born, and I will lead and be with them and guide them. I want to be with them. And then Moses comes when the nation of Israel is born, but then they get into slavery um, God seeks after Moses after he's run away and killed somebody. He seeks after Moses in a burning bush and he says, Hey Moses, I want you to set these people free so I can dwell with them in my temple. I want to dwell with the nation of Israel. I want to be with them. If we keep reading through scripture, we see that happening over and over and over again. And it culminates in this point of Christ, Jesus Christ, coming to earth. God, in flesh and blood, he says, I want to be with you so bad. I'm going to become incarnate, and I'm going to be with you. So open your Bibles to Matthew in chapter 1, and we can take a look at at what they even called Jesus so we get this picture so clearly. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they come together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... does just that. I mean, he he's God with us. He walks around here on earth for 33 years. He takes on his best friends, the disciples. He shows them, hey, this is what the kingdom of God really looks like. This is how we're supposed to live this out. He teaches thousands of people about who God is. He heals. He loves. He's this actual physical representation of God himself. And then... God, makes sure that there are people who write down what Jesus said and what he did so we can continue to know who God is and to have him with us. That's why scripture is so important. Now, I've got students um, who, whenever I talk about, like, God being indwelled in Jesus and what that means and, and that that is his presence and their response is always, okay, well, Jesus is dead. And I'm like, no, Jesus is not dead. He's alive. But their point is he's not here. I cannot tangibly reach out and touch Jesus. If he was here, I would have hope. If God's presence really was in a physical person right now, I recognize what you're saying is true, and I too could have hope in the midst of my brokenness. Okay. Okay. Skip ahead to John chapter 14 for me. Jesus totally recognizes that um, students and adults who have the same concern, and he wants to answer it. His disciples have the same worry. So in John 14, Jesus is making sure his disciples know, hey, I'm going away, I'm going to die, I'm going to raise from the dead, I'm going up to be with God in heaven but I want to make sure that you know you have not been left alone. And so this is what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Later, Jesus even tells them it is better for him to go. It is better for he himself to leave and the advocate to be with them. Now, what I love about this is, um, okay, so that word advocate, it means like I'm going to go on behalf of you. And the Greek word for this is parakletos, which you can always remember because it sounds like um, broccoli toss, like tossing broccoli. So now, just keep that in your mind, right? So whenever you get to that, it's parakletos, which is this really, really cool thing, but when it talks about another parakletos, another advocate, another Holy Spirit, that word another means of the same kind. So when Jesus is telling the disciples that there is another advocate that's coming, he's telling them that other advocate is of the same kind as me. It's not wholeheartedly different. It's the same thing as me. It will be close to you. It will guide you. It will love you. It's of the same nature as Christ himself. This is a powerful thing. And then he says, he says, "Um, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. This, this is the cool part. Okay, so the cool thing is, is that, um, is that uh, when you hike South South Mountain, um, you need something very special. You don't forget this at home. You have to have water. You have to have water or you're going to die, okay? You will. You will die. You need water. Now, it's really, really good to bring water with you so that you carry it with you, it is next to you, it's very, very important for you to have it with you. This is very similar to Jesus and his disciples. Jesus was with his disciples. They walked together, they talked together, it was really good. What Jesus is saying is that, yeah, it's good for me to be next to you, but what you really need is you need something inside of you. You really need another advocate of paracletos who can be in you, dwell in you. Because we all know that at some point when we're hiking up South Mountain, this carrying this with you is not enough. You at some point have to open it up and you got to drink something. Because it has to get inside of you. It's only when that water is inside of you that it gets fused to your molecules, that it revives you that it can give you the true thing and transform you from the inside out. Jesus is saying that the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, is the same thing. He's saying me as Jesus can only be next to you, but there's one who is better that is coming that can dwell inside of you, truly be with you, and change you from the inside out. See, God is in this deep, deep business of being with us in any way possible in the deepest ways possible. He says it's not good enough for me to just be physically next to you, to be tangible. I want to be inside of you. I want to be a part of your molecules. I want to transform you. And that's who the paracletos is. That is the Holy Spirit. He is in us in deep ways. Now I have a real problem with this. Let me tell you what my problem is. Um, I didn't think I had a problem with God being with me, um, but I realized a couple months ago that I did. I was doing this Beth Moore study with a D group of mine, and um, Beth Moore, do you guys know who Beth Moore is? Okay, so our women are like, yes, we know who Beth Moore is. Beth Moore is this um, woman, teacher, speaker, person, and she basically does a lot, a lot of women's Bible studies. And I'd never done a Beth Moore study before, but I started one a couple months ago with a group of ladies, and um, it got to this point where Beth Moore has you as the reader, as the participant, close your eyes and really imagine that you are in a room Totally by yourself. If you want to go there with me, you can close your eyes. You can imagine this. Um, you're in a room totally by yourself, and you are broken, and you are wounded. You're a hot mess. You haven't showered in days. You're dressed in rags, and and then someone sneaks into the room, and kind of comes from behind you, and they put their hands on your head. And smooth your hair out of your face. Wipe away your tears. They take your hands in their hands. And they stand you up. And I know that what she's getting at is this is this beautiful picture of God coming to us in our brokenness. In our hopelessness. Um, and being with us. But really all I could think about when we were talking about this was sick. Ooh. Ew. That's so creepy. Like I would ever let some random guy sneak into the room while I'm crying. Like that is not going to happen. I was, I I didn't know what to do with that. And it was in that moment that I realized that perhaps I have a vulnerability issue with God. I don't really want him to see me in my brokenness when I haven't showered for days. I don't really want him to be there in that. I don't want that. In fact, what I, what I really argued with God about was, God, what I really want, the way I really want to be with you is I really want to go into your throne room. Like, I, I want to be, can't you just take me there? Because the way I imagine it is I'm showered, And I'm maybe not dressed elegantly, but at least it's something that I feel comfortable in. And I would totally grovel before his throne and, Oh, God, your presence is so amazing. This truly gives me hope. This is really the thing that I need. And God said, No. He said, No, you can't. There's only two people recorded in Scripture that came into my throne room. It was Isaiah and it was John in Revelation every other hundreds of ways that I've interacted with people has been God coming down here to our brokenness. And I just, I really, that's hard for me. It's hard because it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like letting somebody come over to your house. Um, they, They come over and they immediately pull up to your front yard and this is what they see. Uh, they see that about two years ago you started landscaping the yard, but it got a little expensive and you lost your vision for really what Phoenix landscaping kind of looks like, so thus it's remained like this. Uh, In fact, okay, so you see the house next to it? Um, Me and my husband were really passionate about getting to know our neighbors. Like really want to get to know them. They are not so passionate about getting to know us. Um, but we're working on it. So, so we, th- there was a new neighbor that moved into that house, and when we saw that they were in the driveway and they could go nowhere, we run out of the house over to them. Hey, you know, hey, we're neighbors, and good to meet you. If you ever need a cup of sugar, like, we sometimes have it or whatever. Um, we go over there. And, and the guy, immediately, this is what he does, he takes out this business card and he says, Ah, oh, it's good to meet you. Hey, this is our landscaper. They're real reasonable. <laughs> and I just, you know, I live in the ugly house next door to y'all. Um... And so and so, when you invite somebody over to your house, you can't hide the fact that there's a project that's been undone for however long, right? And then they walk into your house. It doesn't get much better because then they see this. This is our sink. And um, dishes are not a big priority in our house because I have a three-year-old, and after dinner almost every night, she comes up and she says, oh, I have an idea. I know what we can do. We should have a dance party. How can you say no to that? So dishes, not a priority. Dance party, big priority, right? Um, And so the dishes remain for the rest of the night and maybe the next day. And so when people come over, they probably see this. And no, I don't clean up for guests. And then that same cute, adorable three-year-old runs into the kitchens and says, would you like to meet the chickens? Yes, the chickens. Um, We have chickens, and when you go outside into our backyard, this is the coop that they live in. Um, It was pretty much put together with salvaged wood and materials that we found, because why not? (laughs) And so uh, I hold my breath as people come back inside, and my husband says, if you wouldn't mind just scraping the chicken poop off your shoes, it'd be great. You know, like, then in that moment I'm thinking, couldn't we have just gone out to eat? could have met somewhere else and and you wouldn't see my mess. You wouldn't see my garbage. You wouldn't see the food that I actually eat and how my kids really behave. We can just avoid all of that. I don't have to feel uncomfortable if we just stay away from the house, right? But God is saying, no, no, no. That's exactly where I want to come. That's exactly where I want to be. And you're going to have to be vulnerable enough to let me come to those places if you want my presence and if you want hope. Um, letting God come is really hard. He sees the mess. But you also have to listen to what he says. So, so when you have somebody come over, they may say something uh, about who you are, the way that you're living, the way that you have left undone lots of things. And it's the same thing with God. That's the trade-off for hope. Hope and God's presence have to come together, and you cannot censor God's presence. It's kind of an all-or-nothing thing. Now, I talked earlier about um, how when we were in Denver, when I was in Denver with these students, it was a very thin place that I really felt like God's presence was near. His hope was near. And so I was trying to figure out, how did that happen? How did we create that? Um, And I realized that at some point in our trip, our conversations switched from farts and bowel movements, because you've got to talk about those things, to what is your God story? How did you hear from God today? How's your heart? And it wasn't just leaders grilling students to ask these questions. It was students asking leaders these questions, too. And both of us answering completely honestly. Yeah, you know what? I haven't heard from God in, in, since this whole trip. And I'm really getting mad because everybody else is hearing from God and I am not. Or even more so, yeah, I heard from God and he told me some things that I did not want to hear. And this is what they are. How's my heart? Well, my heart's not doing so good because I'm sleeping in a room with 12 other girls, one of whom talks in her sleep right? We answered these honestly. And it was this conscious decision to start asking these questions and, and the courage to, to answer them, take them seriously, that started to transform things for us. It started to help us recognize, one, uh, where is God really moving? What is he really doing in our lives? And we had to start paying attention that he was here. He was here in our brokenness. He was here in the places where we thought we were alone. And we started to realize we had tremendous amounts of hope. We recognized how broken we were and how he was trying in tons of different ways to come close to us, to be with us. Now, that may not sound to you guys like that significant of a a first step of how to be vulnerable and let hope and God's presence come into your life but let me tell you it is extremely difficult to to ask somebody how's your heart what is God doing in your life when was the last time you asked somebody on your team your family your work team um, uh, your D group your closest friends one of those extremely vulnerable questions and then answered it honestly that's hard but I do think from my experience that that was really the thing that started to transform stuff for us that started to allow God's presence to come in and for hope to be really real so what I want to do is this morning John's going to come out and we're going to play song of hope and I want this to be an opportunity for you that if you are feeling like yeah I I need some hope that you would sing this song, and not just kind of mouth the words, but sing it from your gut. Call out that God's presence would truly come near. God, come near. But that when you do that, you would also be willing and ready to be vulnerable enough to make that really happen. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are not a distant God, but that you desire with everything that you are to be near to us, to be close, to offer hope and be in relationship with us. Father God, I ask that you would give us the courage to be vulnerable enough to let that happen. Amen.